Lord, we pray that you would use the words I say, the things that we're going to think in our minds and what you say in the Bible to help us get closer to you and free us. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. I want to say hello to those of you in the narthex. Great to have you with us. Also, I think this is cool. Uh, Chelsea Leatherberry is helping, leading us in worship, and she's Rich's daughter. I just think that's kind of cool. About a year ago, there was a story that appeared in all the national newspapers about a nine-year-old boy from Texas who had moved with his family to Tacoma, but he hates Tacoma. So my apologies to those of you who liked Tacoma. He hated Tacoma. And he was so desperate to get back to Texas that he stole his neighbor's car that was left running in the driveway, was chased by police at 90 miles an hour, remember he's only nine years old, wrecked the car, somehow managed to escape the police, made his way to SeaTac, snuck through security with a discarded boarding pass. Doesn't that give you confidence? <laughs> right? Boarded a flight, then made a connection in Phoenix to San Antonio, where he's finally caught. And he ended up in juvenile custody in San Antonio. One Texas newspaper said that to a Texan, that's still better than living in Tacoma. <laughs> How they are down there. They just say things like that. Clearly that boy wanted to break free in a bad way. He wanted to get back to Texas. And that's kind of what we've been talking about all winter, breaking free, how Jesus helps us break free from the things that hold us in bondage, like Tacoma. And at the beginning of this series, I asked you a question. What is it that you would love to be set free from? Is it worry? A bad habit? A financial or a health concern, what is it that you would love to be set free from? Well, today let me ask you a second question. Would you do anything Jesus asked you to do to be delivered from that thing? Anything. Because I'm not sure I always would. And this is where the story that we just read about the rich young ruler gets very personal, gets in my kitchen. He asked Jesus, Lord, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And in the Bible, eternal life is never just going to heaven when we die. It's that, but it's also living the eternal kind of life right here, right now. And in his question, you can just hear this man longing to be set free. He says, Jesus, what do I have to do to live a life that's free from sin? A life that's free from fear, free from self. And a life that's free for adventure, joy, community, closeness with God. You can just hear this longing in his voice. Can you relate to that longing to be free? Because I can. Deep inside of me, I have this longing to just bust out of all the stuff that holds me back, holds me up and holds me down. And, and be free for a life where I'm bold instead of cautious. A life where I have peace instead of worrying all the time. A life that's filled with confidence instead of fear and insecurity. A life of adventure, a life of joy, and being as close to God as white on rice. As part of some strategic planning we're doing here, we asked some of the folks who are in their 20s and early 30s who go to church here what they would like to see in a church. And we expected to hear things like, you know, a place to meet a spouse, great Sunday school for the kids, great music. Instead, all of them said, I want a church that will help me die to myself take up my cross and radically follow Jesus. If that's the future of this church, we're in good hands. 
And there again, you can just hear this longing, right? I want to live a life that's free from self, free from sin, free from fear, free for adventure with God. We long for that. Freedom. Can almost taste it. But something always holds us back, doesn't it? Something is always holding us back. Well, the two stories that we read today, I think, get at the number one reason why we don't experience the kind of freedom Jesus offers. And I think that the reason for that is because we're not really willing to really give it all over to Jesus, to let go of everything and follow Jesus wholeheartedly. This rich young ruler, he wanted to be free, but there was just this one thing he was hanging on to. In his case, it was his money. And Jesus says, you can live the eternal kind of life now. You just have to do one thing. You just have to let go of that thing you think is making you free. Just let go of that and follow me. Not half-heartedly, wholeheartedly, completely. And you'll be free. And the man goes away sad because he had many possessions. And as much as he wanted to be free, he didn't want it badly enough to let go of that one thing that he was hanging on to. He's trying to follow Jesus, but it's kind of, it's half-hearted, right? He's sitting on the fence, playing it safe, one foot in the kingdom of God and one foot in the kingdom of this world. His prayer is, Jesus, make me free, but not yet. Sort of like a story I heard about a man who went golfing with his pastor, which may never be a good idea. And he hit this really lousy shot and he started cussing and then he, he sort of started to feel awkward. He said, it's all right, pastor. You know, I cuss a little. You pray a little. Neither one of us means anything by it. There's kind of a truth there, isn't there? We say we want Jesus. We pray to Jesus to make us free. But do we really mean it? Or do we kind of half mean it? You know, Jesus, I want to be free from money worries, but not if that means giving some of it away to learn to trust you. Jesus, I want to be free from the bad habit, but oh, not if that means giving it up. Jesus, I want to be free from fear, but not if that means stepping out of my comfort zone. It's like we follow Jesus in half measures, safely, carefully, moderately. You know, it's sort of like how a lot of churches serve communion. You know, they put the, the juice in those little tiny cups and, and pass them around. That's how we do it here, too. And there's nothing theologically wrong with that and probably maybe one of the easiest ways to do it. But I got to wonder about the symbolism of those little tiny cups, right? The blood of Christ eked out in tiny sanitary drops for you. It's just so tidy. You know, I mean, sometimes I think we just should bring in a giant vat of juice and attach a fire hose to it and douse you all in it. Right? The blood of Christ poured out. Yes, you like that, don't you? That's an amen, right? Blood of Christ poured out like Niagara Falls for you. Come on, swim in it, Presbyterian. It's good news. It's grace. Because we are never going to be free until we stop sitting on the fence and follow Jesus wholeheartedly. C.S. Lewis gets at this great in his book, The Great Divorce, which is about a group of people who take a day trip from hell to heaven. And there's a man in that story that has a red lizard on his shoulder, and that lizard represents lust. And this lizard just torments him. It's just constantly lashing him with his tail. And I think a lot of men can relate to that. A lot of men feel tormented by lust, but not sure they want to completely give it up. And an angel comes along and he offers to kill this red lizard. But the man hesitates. And he says, you know, well, maybe not today. Today's not a good day to kill the lizard. You know, or, 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 or can we do this gradually, slowly? Meanwhile, the lizard just keeps saying, don't kill me. 
You can't live without me. It's unnatural. You need this. You deserve this. I know I've gone overboard in the past, but I'll be good from now on. And the angel keeps saying, may I kill it? May I kill it? I can't do it without your permission. Well, finally, the man says, yes. The angel strangles the lizard and the man screams, you're hurting me. And the angel says, this isn't going to kill you, but it is going to hurt. And finally, he kills the lizard. And when he does that, the man grows stronger and he grows brighter. And then the lizard turns into a white stallion. The man jumps on it and gallops off free from lust. Do you ever feel like that man? vacillating between wanting to be free from whatever it is that holds you in bondage, but not sure you really want to fully give it over to Jesus. Maybe still hanging on to something over here, sitting on the fence, betwixt in between following Jesus and following self. One foot set toward freedom, the other set back toward bondage. Well, that's where the second story we read today, I think is very helpful and shows us a way out of this dilemma. Because in that story, the prophet Elijah does what the rich young man didn't do. He follows Jesus wholeheartedly, and the result is he's free. Now, the context for that story is there's been a drought for three years, and the people have all turned to God to be delivered from that drought. That's their bondage. They've turned to God, but they also worship an idol named Baal, who was the pagan god of rain. And since they're in a drought, they kind of hedge their bets. They worship God, but on the side, they're also worshiping Baal, just as kind of, you know, safeguard, hedging their bets. And Baal represents a lot of things. He represents financial security because if it rains and they get a good crop, that's secure for them. He represents sexual satisfaction because one of the ways they worshipped Baal was to have sex with a prostitute inside Baal's temple. When people make up religions, that's the kind of thing they make up. Right? That's what we do right? when we make them up. Baal represents comfort. He represents being socially accepted. Since everybody who was anybody in that society, including the queen, kind of scoffed at God and followed Baal. He was very fashionable. Well, Elijah comes along and he says, how long will you limp between two opinions? Choose either Baal or God. Paint or get off the ladder. And then he sets up this altar and he puts a sacrifice on it and he says, whichever God is the real God, let them send down fire from heaven and consume the altar. So all day long, the Baal people, they pray to Baal. Oh, Baal, come on, send down the fire, do your Baal thing. Nothing happens. Then Elijah steps up, says this simple prayer, and fire comes down out of the sky, burns up the altar. At the same time, it starts to rain, ending the three-year drought. Elijah doesn't sit on the fence. Elijah doesn't follow God moderately. He follows God wholeheartedly. The result is he's free. Free from the drought, for starters, but also free to have a really cool day. When you're a prophet and you call down fire from heaven, that's a good day at the office. Go home, take the rest of the day off. Well done there, right? He doesn't play it safe. No middle of the road. And the result is he's free. You see, the problem with sitting on the religious fence, and there's a difference, by the way, between religion and relationship with Jesus. Problem with sitting on the religious fence, playing at religion, but not really following Jesus wholeheartedly, is it doesn't make us free. In fact, it gives us more bondage. We get the worst of both worlds. Right? All the guilt and obligation of religion, but none of the freedom and joy in life that comes from a relationship, full-on, wholehearted relationship with Christ. Moderate religion, playing it safe, seeking comfort, just leads to more bondage. When I was in California, some of my staff had this habit of reading the police reports from a town called Atherton. And, and Atherton was kind of a comfortable suburb, uh, kind of a lot like, well, here. 
And the police reports were fascinating. One person called the police panicked because the dog food she kept in her backyard had been moved. Not stolen, mind you, moved. Another person called very, very afraid because there was a car that was parked in, you know, on their street near their house. That is the end result of a life that seeks only comfort. You end up in prison. You think it's going to make you free, but it just puts you in prison. I mean, what kind of a prison is it where people are so fearful they have to call the cops when some dog food gets moved? Right? That is not free. So my interns, they went out and they made this T-shirt that said Free Atherton on it. <laughs> Maybe we should have one here. Free the east side, right? And the only way we get freedom from that kind of fear is to let go of whatever that one thing we're hanging on, that one thing we're hanging on to, let go of it and follow Jesus wholeheartedly. Because if we sit in the middle of the road, guess what happens to us? Get run over. That's what, that's what happens in the middle of the road. I told you before that last winter I took some ski lessons and my instructor was a former pastor, so he taught me in a very biblical kind of a way. And at one point I was, I was headed down the hill, and, but that looked kind of dangerous, so I instinctively kind of leaned back, but then, no, I got to lean forward, and then I leaned back, and I just kind of crumpled in a heap. So my instructor came skiing over to me, showing off his good skiing technique, you know. Even did one of those cool stops, you know, the whoosh, that deal. Snow in my face, it was really cool. And he said, Scott, don't vacillate. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. James 1.8. I'm thinking, shutteth upeth, Dudley 2-4. <laughs> when we have one foot following Jesus and one foot following ourselves or the culture, we are unstable. We are not free. We fall down and go boom. But if we follow Jesus whole hog, we're free. A while back, my family and I were at an amusement park, and we were considering going on one of the rides there. But there was one person in our family who was kind of, fearful about it. So the other members of the family kind of began to put a lot of pressure on this person and said, you know, what's wrong with you? Why are you so afraid? Look around you. Kids way younger than you are getting on this ride and they're not acting like they're bungee jumping with dental floss. You know, come on. You know, finally the pressure was so intense I had to get on the ride. <laughs> and it was fun. I, I, we were flying. I was free. But here's the deal. There was no way to experience that ride Gradually, or moderately, or in steps. You're either on the ride or you're not. And if I tried to keep one foot down on the ground just to be safe, I'd have got run over. You can't be a little bit pregnant, and you can't be a little bit free. It's all or nothing. You're either in or you're out. So are you in? Are you in? What is that thing you want to be delivered from? What is that one thing? And where might you have one foot set toward Jesus, but the other foot still back in that bondage? Where might you be just kind of hanging on? Let me make a suggestion. Easter is eight weeks away. And Easter is the ultimate freedom where Jesus breaks even the bondage of death, smashes the chains of death. Here's what I'm going to ask us all to do. Right? For the next eight weeks, let's just do a little training exercise that will help us let go of those things we're hanging on to and follow Jesus a little more wholeheartedly. So if your bondage is you worry a lot about money, for the next eight weeks, give more away than you think you can handle and watch God provide. Or maybe you want to be set free from fear. For the next eight weeks or within the next eight weeks, do something that puts you outside your comfort zone. Just moves you beyond that comfort zone a little bit. You know, maybe that's talk to someone about Jesus or serve meals to the homeless at Matt Talbot Center. Or, you know, if you don't know what to do, ask a pastor. We'll make you uncomfortable. Don't worry. 
Maybe it's a bad habit or an addiction. How about give it up between now and Easter? Cold turkey, if you need help, find a 12-step program that, that deals with your particular addiction. If it's worry, anxiety, depression you want freedom from, how about give yourself some joy days? Spend time doing things that connect you to God and connect you to other people. You know, if there are people in your life that don't give you joy, just say to them, I can't be with you today. It's my joy day, right? <laughs> write, down some lists, write down lists of things that are good in your life. Times when God has been there for you and then force yourself to dwell on those good things and thank God for those good things so that you can be more secure in Him. Maybe it's a health crisis. Give it fully to Jesus. And, you know, seek prayer. Get other people to come lay hands on you and pray for you. I'm not saying don't go to doctors. I'm saying in your heart, in your mind, really understand that ultimately it's Jesus that heals, even if he does it through medicine. And if you don't know what you need freedom from, pray about it. Consult scripture. Ask a pastor or a friend to make a suggestion to you. Whatever it is you want freedom from between now and Easter, let's let go of it and fully, radically, completely Follow Christ. No more half measures. Give it all to him. And then pray daily. Every day, pray, Holy Spirit, give me strength to do this. Because this isn't about rules and regulations. And it's not about that stuff. It's about a relationship with Jesus that sets us free. The most frequent promise Jesus makes in the Bible is what? If you lose your life, you'll find it. If you lose your life, you'll find it. There's a family I know who recently went through a, a severe drop in their income. It was it a was significant drop. But they did something radical. They said, you know what? God says to give money to his work. So they just kept giving at the same percentage rate they'd always been giving. And they're still having a lot of financial struggles. But the wife said this amazing thing. She said, God is meeting our needs. Not our wants, but our needs. But more importantly, we have never felt so free. Her words, not mine. We're feeling freedom from worry, freedom from insatiable desire, freedom from I've got to have more, freedom from envy, freedom from comparison. They did something radical. They followed Jesus wholeheartedly, not moderately, and the result was freedom. There's a young woman from our church here who recently graduated from college and took one of our short-term mission trips to Rwanda. And God did kind of a supernatural transformation in her heart. As soon as she got off the plane, she started feeling this joy and excitement that for her was more joy or excitement than she normally experiences. And then they went to a prison that was just filled with all these men who had committed genocide, but she didn't feel afraid. In fact, God suddenly filled her with this overwhelming compassion, and she just wanted to tell all of them how much God loved them. But throughout the whole trip, nothing bugged her. Not the lack of running water, not the fact that there wasn't any electricity where she was staying, not the strange food or the heat. In fact, it was just the opposite. She loved every minute of that trip, which for a comfort-seeking Westerner might not have been what she'd expected. After that trip, she ended up going back for almost a year. Now she's come back here, but now she's going to wants to go back again. She did something radical, not out of duty, by the way, out of excitement and joy. She did something radical. She followed Jesus whole hog, and the result was freedom. Freedom from fear in a Rwandan prison. Freedom from having to be comfortable all the time. Free to have joy even without air conditioning. If you lose your life, you'll find it. No half measures. Not Jesus in moderation. Not Jesus measured out in coffee spoons. All out, full board, double down on Jesus. Leave everything on the field. No holds barred. A while back, someone sent me a 
YouTube video that I think is a great image of, of what following Jesus wholeheartedly could look like. And it's, it's an eight or nine year old boy getting baptized. And it's in a church that does full immersion baptism. So they have one of those tanks. And this kid is just really excited about getting baptized. Watch. of following Jesus wholeheartedly can involve baptism. I just think that we've got to figure out a way to do that here, right? Just go for it. Don't hold anything back. And the result is freedom. That kid is free and he is full of joy. If you lose your life, you'll find it. Don't dip your toe in religion. Do a cannonball dive and immerse yourself in a relationship with Christ and you will be set free from whatever bondage you're in. There's a contemporary Christian song I like a lot that says the gate is wide, the road is paved in moderation, the crowd is kind and quick to pull you in. Welcome to the middle ground, it's safe and sound, and until now it's where I've been. Because it's been fear that ties me down to everything, but it's been love, your love that sets me free. So long, status quo, I think I'll just let go. You make me want to be brave. The way it always is is no longer good enough. You make me want to be brave. I want to be brave. Do you? Lord Jesus, thank you for this wonderful invitation to just dive into life with you. Lord, we confess that we have many fears, many anxieties, and we hold back. Help us to give ourselves completely to you and then be freed completely by you and give you and you alone the glory, and we'll be grateful. In your name, Jesus, amen.